This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. If you're a loser, tune in and you'll be a winner. It's the Moranalytics Podcast. Talking Buffalo sports, Yankees, WWE, 80s music, and pop culture. And now, here's your host, Patrick Moran. What's up, winners? Welcome to the Moranalytics Podcast, episode number 81. Today, actually not today, I should say tonight, is Sunday, December 29th, 2018. Normally, I'm coming to you guys from my home studio in Bradenton, Florida, but not tonight. Tonight, I am doing this podcast back home. My hometown of Buffalo, New York, could not be more excited about that. I've been on a little bit of a a nine-day podcasting break, taking some time to enjoy being back home in Buffalo, around family and friends, of course, enjoying Christmas and the holidays with everyone. It's been great. Always great to get back home, but I've also missed putting together a podcast. It's been long enough. I was hoping to have one out a few days ago, but that kind of fell through. My setup and my audio gear in Buffalo is a little more primitive than what I typically use back in my Florida home studio. Hopefully you don't uh, notice too much of a different sound. I'm sure a few of you audiophiles will, but it's all good. I'll tell you this much, it feels Quite different recording this opening today. Like my current situation is this. I'm in my in-law's den room. Got a fireplace going. It's cold as hell in here. The heat's being cranked out. Hopefully that doesn't come across the audio. I'll do my best to try to get rid of it. Regardless, that's all right. I love being back in Buffalo, even when it's cold. I guess if you live here, you're probably used to it and tougher than I am. I'm a sissy. Don't like being cold. I never have liked being cold. It's only gotten worse for me since moving to Florida a couple years ago. My blood has gotten even thinner, which I guess makes me even a bigger sissy because it's more cold to me in Buffalo right now than it probably is to you if you live here. But anyway, for today's show, I taped a Pat with Puck segment with my buddy Tone Pucks a short time ago. I did that following the Buffalo Bills putting a wrap on their season by hammering the living shit out of the Miami Dolphins, their division rival. It's been at least a handful of weeks since I've been able to hook up with Tone Pucks for a segment. And it was cool to not only put an end to that run, but to be able to hook up with him in person, as opposed to having to do it on Skype that made it even better. We talk about the Bills season finale. Like I said, I mean, they absolutely decimated the Miami Dolphins, who are running for the bus. Josh Allen, man. If you love them, you hate them. You got all the ammunition you needed today. You got it all. Months and months and months of Josh Allen talk. Either way, love them or hate them, 
You got your ammunition today. Anyway, we talk about him. We talk about the 2018 season as a whole. The good, the bad, the ugly. Unfortunately, this year, there was more than enough of the latter. We're going to take at least a little bit of a peek into what's going to be an incredibly busy Buffalo Bills offseason, especially on the offensive side of that ball. They got to get this guy some help on the line, get him some more weapons. Then I think you can put a more accurate assessment on him. Anyway, we hit on that. We also get into the Sabres, who are uh, starting to reel a little bit, folks. That 10-game winning streak feels like a long, long, long time ago. We hit on that. We go through another edition of This Week in 80s Music, something we both love doing. Shoot the shit a little bit. Got a puck drop for you. Got a Pat P for you. Plenty more. It's a fun chat. I've had Pat with Pucks on this podcast pretty much from day one, episode one, for a reason. Tone has a lot of good insight, and he's got some solid takes. It's nice to hook back up with him. And I'll tell you what, I don't want to take up too much of your time. Let's just get right into it. Here's Pat with Pucks. Pat with Pucks. Are you a big man? Pop, I'm talking to you. What? You wake up in the morning, you say, I put on my big boy pants. Look, I'm wearing a belt. I got big boy pants on. <laughs> oh my God, that is funny. Okay, do not worry. All of your questions are about to be answered. Cell phones and pagers off, please. All right, after about a three or four week hiatus, I am back with Tone Pucks, Pat with Pucks. What's going on? Yo, by the way, we're taping this tonight from Starbucks in North Buffalo. And anyone who's known the two of us since high school, who would have thought that the day would ever come where me and you would be hanging out at a Starbucks taping something together? And not a bar, but a Starbucks. I'm feeling good about it, man. There isn't anything I would rather be drinking right now than this caramel apple spice. Well, there's probably lots of things I'd rather be drinking than this $2.65 little thing of water that I had to purchase here so I didn't look like I was just loitering. That's not a very good plug. (laughs) No, it's... It gets thrown right out of here. (laughs) Well, we're keeping it quiet. I already don't like our chances of making it all the way through this. (laughs) So how you been, man? Like I said, it's been a couple weeks since uh, I've been able to get together with you. I know you got a lot going on, Christmas season, you got a lot going on with the kids. How you been? Things are good, man. I've I've been good. Uh, After 15 years out of the baby game, I'm I'm back in it. Uh, You're all in, too, dude. Yes, yes, I am. Not not through uh, birthing purposes, but uh, I have two uh, little foster sons right now that I'm chasing around after, and... You know, you, you get a, you get a lot of props for that sort of thing, and that's certainly not why I do it. But you know, it it, it racks up the likes on on Facebook. You can't put pictures <laughs> of them on Facebook, you know. But you talk a little bit about uh, you know about your journey, and uh, it's, it definitely boosts your self self esteem up, which is good because, like you know, the minute I turn away from those likes, I I, I pretty much you know with a three year old and and a three month old want to stab myself in the eye with a with a <laughs> sharpened pencil, so. You know, that's what I've been up to, but, uh, you know, the, the, I imagine things have been going well. You know, I don't listen. I, I wasn't listening as when I, when listen I was to your an own active episodes. member. So, <laughs> but I see, you know, I, I see we've got, I see we had some beef tonight, though. I, I saw we had some, uh, some Moranalytics, uh, 
family beef going on there? What's going on? Did Mike and Joe straighten that out, or is they still going at it? I don't think they like each other. (laughs) I'm going to be honest with you. I just don't think that they even like each other. I kind of like that, though. I I don't mind that. A little Miranalytics podcast co-host crime on each other. It works for me. Joe's a big fan of uh, of media on media crime, so, you know. I kind of balance the line between enjoying it and being embarrassed. That you know, because the few fans that actually do pay attention to the show, all the episodes are like seeing these guys fight with each other. Is it staged? Is it real? I can assure you, it's not staged. I can tell you that much. No, no, they both definitely can be a little ornery on the Twitter. So that 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 shit's real. I was gonna jump in with like something cheesy, but I just I just sat back, you know, went with the. Uh, well, I didn't actually go with it, but I was essentially the you know popcorn eating gif, you know, <laughs> just here for the. For the comments type thing, so that was my that was my deal with it. But no, nah, man, you know they're uh, they're fun to have around. I wish we could do some sort of round table, man. Can't you get some equipment or something? Well, where we the gear that I have, it, it, the, the remote gear that I have, only allows me to have two XLR plugins, which only allows me to have two microphones. So I would have to sit there, and someone would be screaming without well, a microphone. Go. Which, which you know, to be fair, most of the podcasts you hear out there, they really don't have any microphones. So. Well, don't you have investors? Can't you go to, like, the Analytics <laughs> podcast investors? I've and, already went to that well a couple <laughs> times already. Yeah. How do you think we got these two microphones that we're talking on right now? All right, that's, that's fair. All that's right. fair. Is this the allotted amount of time that we have for bullshitting before we actually start talking sports? I think that makes sense. Yeah, yeah I don't have much else to, uh, to bullshit about. While we're taping this, which, by the way, is rare. We're taping this on a 7 o'clock on Sunday night, just hours after Buffalo Bills season finale. A big 42-17 win over Miami. This will actually be out tonight. Lots that we could talk about. Let's start here, though. Kyle Williams' last game. I mean, how can we not start there? I'm not going to lie to you. I got a little bit. I didn't get so much emotional on Friday when the news came out. I'm like, all right, well, he's a great player, and he's retiring. I'm happy for him. He's had a great career here, but... By the end of the game and the way things played out with the big lead, throwing the pass to him, you know, taking a knee on fourth down so the defense can come out, and then McDermott calls a timeout so he could take out Williams in front of the crowd. I got a little bit emotional watching that. It was great to see him get that respect from the players and, of course, from the fans. Are you as sentimental about Kyle Williams right now as I am, and apparently a lot of fans are as well? No, I am not. And it's not for any lack of appreciation for the years that, uh, you know, that he put it on the line for, you know, this team that I love to watch and, and stuff like that. It's just, it's, it's, you know, sports doesn't really bring out the sentimentality, uh, in me like it used to. So it was cool. It was great. I enjoyed the hell out of it. I think he deserved every bit of the accolades that he got and even more so because of how he did it. You know, without ever really complaining about the fact that he was playing for arguably one of the most, you know, underperforming franchises in the NFL during that stretch, you know, and I, to be good enough to not have to be equated to the, um, you know, to the drought and things like that is just, you know, further testament, but it, it doesn't even, he doesn't even need, you know, uh, further testament, more accolades. If you watched him play, if you watched how he conducted himself, you know, um, why he's, he's getting as much as he's getting, uh, as much love as he's getting, you know, today and in the game, in the days leading up to the game. Um, all deserved, super cool, and I'm ready to move on to who's going to plug that hole in the defensive line. Well, that's fair enough. I think 
I compared him, and I don't know if you agree with this or not, but I used the Don Mattingly comparison. You know, growing up liking the Yankees in the 80s, you know, everyone thinks the evil empire, how great they've always been. Well, that's not true. You know, in the mid-80s, late-80s, early-90s, they weren't very good. And Don Mattingly was that guy for the Yankees for many years. He was the captain, the best player. I don't know if Kyle Williams was the best player, but he was always among the best players. But he was one of the most popular players, whereas Mattingly was the same kind of player. He was the captain on a really shitty era of New York Yankees baseball. And I kind of equate Kyle Williams being the same type of guy. I saw it. I liked it. I would have changed uh, you know, uh, like one word in the in the tweet. I'm I'm speaking. What was of. that? I would have changed that he's the uh, you know Don Mattingly of this era to he is the Don Mattingly of this franchise. Um, in era, you know, Mattingly was in an era, and Mattingly was a Yankee. All right, a Yankee can be a prominent figure in an era. Kyle Williams was a Buffalo Bill. All right, you you can't be a prominent figure in an era an era speaks to um like a wider spectrum of sports fandom and popularity so i would i I would just tweak you know he he is he's the don mattingly of this franchise as opposed to the don mattingly of this era i think you'll agree with me it's a no-brainer he's going to go on the wall someday i'm pretty sure that you'll agree with that and if you're not let me know but do you think anyone's ever going to wear number 95 again Oh man, that's, that's a tough call. Um, it's, it's a common number. It's kind of like Dre's 83. Um, you know, I, I, I do, uh, you know, I, I do, I don't think it'll happen right away. Um, might not happen in the, in the McDermott Bean era, even. They might do everything they can to, uh, to keep that from, uh, f- that number from being given away. But, you know, someday down the road, uh, you know, the, the, the next Bryce pop, you know, signing happens. And, uh, you know, I, I think it's still probably just, uh, Jimbo Thurm and, and, uh, is Bruce retired? Is 78, is 78 retired? I believe so. All right. I'm not well, whatever, whatever, whatever be the case. I think it, I think it'd be hard to do. I think it'd be hard to, to, uh, to retire, uh, the Jersey. He goes on the wall. Oh yeah, man. That's, that goes without question. And, and to be honest with you, man, um, you know, when, when the hall votes start coming around, they will at least bring his name up. Um, you know, I, I do believe he will, you know, make a, uh, oh, whatever it ends up being 20 or 25, you know, finalist sort of thing. I, I do think he gets to that point and, and ultimately falls short of the votes, but I, I, I do think a, uh, a discussion takes place and, and someone, whoever, you know, whoever ends up being the person to, uh, you know, to give that pitch on behalf of the Bills when that time comes. You know, someone's going to be giving a pitch on his behalf. Well, this isn't perfect, but it was pretty goddamn good. And I'm talking, of course, about Josh Allen. In my opinion, firing away his best game as a pro. He completes 17 of 26 passes, 224 yards, three touchdowns, runs for 95 yards on nine carries, and another touchdown. Beautiful run, by the way, on the ground. That back shoulder touchdown throw to Robert Foster, might have been the best throw that I've seen him make this entire year. You're a guy that's pretty much been up and down on him. I, I would say you're unbiased. First and foremost, what were your thoughts today? I would imagine that if you didn't like his game today, whether it's you or, or any critic out there, if you didn't like his game today, I find it hard to believe that you're ever going to like the way the kid plays. Well, at the, at the, going into the half, all right, coming off that pick, 
uh, after a 14 nothing uh, lead had evaporated, I was, you know, in full blown, you know, this, we have found out nothing this year about Josh Allen mode. All right. He came out with a second half that, um, you know, they really stuck it to that, that way of thinking. And man, you, you know, whether or not it was, it was his best game. I thought he, he had some, some bad balls. Well, first of all, all right. I thought he, even though they came back and, and made a little bit of noise, made it close at the end of the first half, stuff like that. I think they played a team that was absolutely running for the bus. No doubt about it. All right. Uh, and truthfully, the entire, stretch of games for the most part with the exception uh, of obviously the Patriots and, and maybe one more in there but the entire stretch of games that he came back from injury and played in were not against quality defenses or quality teams with much to to play for at all and I think that helped all right I think that helped a lot and and whether today was his best you know finding the end zone five times is is a big deal you know, I, the, the, the rushing touchdowns matter and, um, you know, they're part of the assessment. Uh, I, I hope to make a, a broader one, you know, today as we wrap up the season. But yeah, man, uh, he, you know, he bounced back from a, a real ugly finish to the first half to have maybe his best half of football. Uh, at least that much, I'll say is his best half of football. And that's a real encouraging thing. Some people are a little too encouraged. Uh, buy it but i i think there's there's plenty to be optimistic about all right so we're here like i said we are here at starbucks on a sunday night and we'll talk about josh allen again briefly because i want to hit on big picture stuff at the end but let's move on to a couple other players that i really like today zay jones being one of them he caught six passes for 93 yards two touchdowns that first touchdown was a really nice adjustment on a quick slant that was actually a bad, bad throw. Ball. From Josh Allen. He made the adjustment, pass. made a nice catch, and he switched. Uh, you know, he switched um, lanes quick and got in for for the touchdown. Very up and down season for Zay Jones, by the way. I mean, he disappeared for long stretches, but you know, days like today, he showed signs that he could be a good number two or number three receiver. Not just today specifically, but generally speaking, for the entire season. Where are you at with him right now? Where's your comfort level with him going into this offseason? He's obviously not a number one. We know that. But do you feel good about him being a two, a three, a four? How are you feeling? I mean, I, I think we can safely say that Zay's mama was right. All right. Early in the season, didn't, didn't, didn't she tweet something about, you know, he, he's got to sit there and tell Kelvin where to go all the time, too? Remember that? Yeah. Yeah, I do remember that. You know, uh, well, you know, and, and I say that because I think it really picked up. I think his production really picked up. Um, when, when Benjamin, uh, was shown the door, uh, not because I, I felt like he was being held back by, you know, having to tell, uh, Benjamin where to go. Uh, I'm sure that didn't help much in his own development, if in fact it was true. But, you know, it also gave him the, you know, more reps and more looks. Uh, and he became at least very temporarily Josh Allen's, uh, uh, you know, number one target. And, and he acquitted himself quite well. I think he can be a starting receiver in this league, and that's way better than it looked at times early in this year and certainly in the off season, you know, coming after, uh, coming off of some of the personal, uh, stuff that he went through. So I am, you know, leaving this season content with that draft pick, that player, and, you know, just 
do better be on on good behavior this offseason. I know that much. Kyle Williams deserves the headlines. Josh Allen deserves the headlines. One guy that played a great game today, he might have been the MVP of the game, Tremaine Edmonds had a very athletic interception. He had a sack. He had a team by 12 tackles. I have not been a big fan of his this year as a rookie, although there's a lot of defenses that you can make on his behalf, being as young as he was, playing a very difficult position. So it's not like he was going to come out and be Ray Lewis as a rookie, but he just disappeared at times, and I think it showed how young he was and that he was a rookie. But today, like like Allen, this was his best game for me by a mile, and I feel like it should give him a real nice boost going into the offseason to have the type of afternoon that he did today. I can't say anything to the contrary of that statement. Top to bottom, I am 100% with you. I saw a tweet today from someone who said, wow, you know, hard to believe um, Edmonds is just a rookie. I forget sometimes. And I've, you know, felt like writing, not for me, man. You know, I've watched him get swallowed up in, uh, you know, in, in the line uh, a lot of times. I didn't love him uh, all year long. And and I think that's also because I remember, I think we were both feeling that, feeling this way coming in. We were crazy pumped to watch him play. Yeah. He was such a freak looking athlete that, I mean, we were more excited about him than we were about Josh. And he went through, uh, you know, the, the highs and lows of a rookie season. Phillip Rivers ate him up uh, early in the season when when things were going just disastrously for this team. Um, but he did come on strong. I thought you were actually going to bring up a different young player's game today. So, you know. I'm about the, to. I have a feeling. The, 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 future is, the future is bright. But I'm with you, man. I need even more, though. I need a big leap, all right? I need I need today's game from Edmonds, you know, minus, obviously, the pick and whatnot. But I need today's game to become the norm, not not the, you know, it needs to be the standard, not the, uh, uh, not the exception. Is that young guy that you're speaking of, Shaq Lawson? Absolutely. Yeah, man, I'll tell you what, he keeping that best game talk going. He had two sacks. I think he may have forced a fumble as well. I mean, maybe this guy's not a bust. Not that we said that he was a bust. But he is, for a first-round pick, he really hasn't done much to stand out. Been a good run defender, but hasn't done much else besides that. But based on today, if he plays anything like that going forward, he could be due for a much bigger role in 2019. I thought he played great today. Is Jerry Hughes a Buffalo Bill in 2019? I think so. Oh. I do. And I'll tell you why. I, they're going to get rid of Clay. That's happening for sure. Sure, yeah, I no, think, absolutely. I, th- I feel like LaShawn McCoy's maybe 50-50 to come back. They already got so much cap room. I don't think there's no financial incentive. Yeah, but I think they can get a draft asset. I mean, that's that's. I think it might be traded. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, we we did that. We went through that during the entire off season, and we'll we'll probably do it again. But I feel like I feel like Shaq's emergence and Murphy's age. All right, not the injury history, that's for sure. But Murphy's age. And, you know, continued development from a guy like, like Yarbrough as the third defensive end might give the Bills a little bit of flexibility to, uh, uh, you know, to, to trade an elite pass rusher and, and see what they can get. Breaking news here. Baltimore stopped Cleveland yes, on 4th and 10. And it looks like the Baltimore Ravens are going to the playoffs and the Pittsburgh Steelers will be going home.
Joe Felton, your thoughts? <laughs> what a, that was a collapse, man. That was a collapse. I, I could see. When's the last time you've seen a team as talented as Pittsburgh not make the playoffs? There's so much talent there, man. I, yeah. Is this I, the end for Big Ben? That's what I'm wondering. I mean, he had a hell of a year, but, you know, he's, he's flirted with it in the past. And if they were to move on from Tomlin, which I think some Steeler fans want to have a conversation about, you know, does Big Ben want to do this all over again with a brand new head coach? You know, that'll be definitely, and, and, you know, Le'Veon Bell's obviously where, where he ends up. That'll be an interesting team to, uh, to pay attention to this offseason. Maybe they need Jerry Hughes. Maybe they want Jerry Hughes to, uh, <laughs> I think Jerry Hughes is I, I, McDermott loves the rotation. I, I, no, no you. financial reason you. to get rid of him. I don't, I don't think there's a football reason to get rid of him either. You keep him. You got enough holes to fill. Don't create another one. I'm with you. And, 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 just add Shaq Lawson and today's performance to the mix. You've got great depth there. You don't have to do anything. You just you don't have to do anything there except replace Kyle. And and I don't know that you necessarily have to go big there uh, if you're confident um, in you know the second year jump that Harrison Phillips takes, uh, the depth of of Jordan Phillips and. Shaq Lawson's ability to get to the passer from the inside, which he did a couple times today. So, yeah, they're in good shape there. They're in good shape there. And, and Shaq Lawson's emergence is a big reason why. And kudos, man. All right. These guys make a lot of smart personnel decisions, hanging on to people. All right. That a lot of others wanted to kick to the curb and kicking to the curb. A lot of guys that end up having the exact same problems. All right, I'm looking at you, Cordy Glenn and Sammy Watkins, not getting over injuries and stuff like that. Um, yeah, they- they've been good. It's for another time, man, but they seem to know what they're doing. They got to be right about number 17, but they seem to know what they're doing. When you look back at this season as a whole, 6-10, and 10, I feel like that's got to be at least close to what we both predicted at the beginning of the season. But record aside... Maybe the expectation that you had in August, September for the team, not necessarily the record. What's your final verdict as of right now? And this is obviously a knee-jerk reaction. We'll talk more in the coming weeks as we have a chance to break down things a lot more. But right now, just hours after the finale, are you happy, disappointed, indifferent about the 2018 Buffalo Bills? I'm happy about it. it you know, it ended on a good note. I, I think I think if, you know, you held my feet to the fire and said, how many wins do you think, you know, how many games do you think they win this year? I think I would have gone with seven. But I thought the interesting thing about the season, and, and it's like we, we really should start doing this more often, it played out, and last year did too, almost exactly like you would have expected it to play out when the schedule came out. You looked at the schedule. You yeah. said it's tough early. All right, it's easy on the back end, and that shit went exactly according to the schedule. We, you know, it was almost exactly what you would have said um, when that thing came out. So, no, there's just not not a lot of surprises in terms of the overall record. Some surprises within the, uh, you know, how they got there. I didn't think Allen was playing 13 games. Uh, you know, I mean, my dumbass thought this team was going to be good under Nate Peterman. So. You know, my credibility shot for, uh, you know, for, for the prognostication coming in. But yeah, some of what happened within the season, within a very ugly start, um, gave a lot of encouragement and I think gives a lot of hope, you know, coming out of, uh, coming out of this year. Again, this will be a topic that we'll dive deeper into in a future taping. But again, knee jerk 
reaction team MVP on this season. If you were to power rank, say, the top three to five Bills MVP for the season, I think I would go right now, if you put a gun to my head, Lorenzo Alexander, to me, was the team MVP. Not that he was spectacular this season, but he was solid and he was consistent all year. I'd have Matt Milano second. He probably would have been the team MVP had he not gotten hurt and missed the last couple weeks. I'd have Trey White third. I think he played well, and then he had a bad stretch for maybe two, three games where he didn't play as well, but then he bounced back. He had a good game today in the first half before he got hurt. Kyle Williams, I'll put fourth, and in a million years, if you told me Robert Foster would probably crack my top five for Bill's MVP, and if you told me that in September, I'd have said you're fucking crazy, but that's what I got, man. I got Alexander, Milano, Trey White, Kyle Williams, Robert Foster, any of those standoff right or wrong, that you could think of or anyone off the top of your head that you think maybe should be on that list that isn't? I, I really, I mean, I am working at it here. I'm looking at my own list, trying to move the names around and, and think of a second tier that I may have forgotten about. I don't think I have Foster uh, in the top five, and I'm definitely going to maneuver the guys around a little bit that you had. But I mean, you pretty much hit on it. Uh, you could, you could include Allen in that just because, you know, he was valuable in, in so many ways uh, for excitement and, and for the future. And that's why like I that. hate, I by mean, the way, that's, a, I hate MVP. I should not have said MVP. You know, you can make a I little, should have said best players. Make what? a little argument there. But I, I think I'm putting Trey at the top though. I mean, he had the, he had like a two week bad stretch, but there, there was for the better part, of this football season, he was by far and away um, this team's best player. What about the other end? If I were to power rank a few of the most disappointing players, I think right at the top I would have LaShawn McCoy. I just expected a really big year for him. I don't even, I'm not even sure that he reached 500 yards. If he did, he didn't reach it by much. Didn't, I mean, it's not his fault. For the most part, it's not his fault. The offensive line was terrible. That goes without saying, but I expected a lot more from him this year. Benjamin, second, not even on the team anymore. I don't think there's any explanation needed there. I got Deion Dawkins third, man. I knew this live was going to suck as a whole, but I thought he would be a bright spot. And to me, he wasn't a bright spot. He was just one of five bad offensive linemen all year. Didn't like him at all. Very disappointed with him in his second year to the point that I'm starting to think that I wouldn't be surprised if the Bills go after a left tackle and maybe move this guy to the right side or shit. Maybe even guard. He'll start next year, but... I'm not sold on him being the 2019 Buffalo Bills left tackle, I'll tell you that. Got Charles Clay fourth. Again, not much of an explanation needed. And John Miller. You know, we had to hear about that system bullshit. Well, you know what? Any system in, he sucks. So what about that? Do any of them stand out to you? Or is there anyone on that list that probably should be on there that I failed to include? Well, I, I mean, I understand where you're going with Shady. But I, I don't care. I'm, I'm, and I don't care if he ended the season not on the roster. I'm, I'm putting Calvin Benjamin first. All right. That dude sucked and it, and it dragged this team down and this team's offense down for almost the entire first half of the season. Dude was terrible. Yeah. He was bad. Um, I'm with you on everyone else. I don't know that I'm a sour on, uh, on Dawkins as, as you are. Um, I think he, he stabilized a little bit in, in the second half of the season. You know, we'll have to see. I, I, I don't know that, uh, that that's necessarily because of the change at left guard with, uh, you know, with Teller, but that, that probably helped a little bit. You know, I think he just, I think he just found his game uh, a little bit. So, 
Uh, maybe a little pushback on, on Dawkins from me. Uh, certainly none on, on Charles Clay. He was due to, you know, Trent Murphy could enter the conversation, but I think he fought to get out there every chance he could. I think his injuries were legitimate. I think he, he had, he battled them all year long, you know, and he, he, he got out there and he pushed it, you know, the best that he could. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty cool with, uh, with his performance. Coaching wise, I think Crossman will be gone, and I think that'll come pretty soon. Because the special teams, man, that you know, if you can include an entire unit on an LVP list, you would have to include the special teams because they were pretty fucking atrocious. I forgot one for my LVP. Who was that? That would be the 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 Bills broadcast. That's that's Murph in 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 my book. I don't listen to them. It's so bad. It's so bad. And he, you know what? He he he's. You know, today's going to be about uh, something else that, that he said. Uh, did, did, did you hear what he said? No. They said that it have something to do with Kiko Alonso? No, 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 no. That was Kelso. Kelso went nuts yeah, on the Alonso, I, I on the Alonso hit. That. On the Zay Jones second touchdown, not live, not on the, the play-by-play, but as he was describing it in probably the 10 seconds following the score, he called Zay wide ass open. <laughs> it, it was pretty funny, man. It was it, it was pretty I didn't funny, know that. and probably the best description he's ever given of a play. But, dude, I, I we'll do it another time. It's so bad. I know Joe. I I, I know the run in with Joe busts. You know uh, Murphy's chops uh, on on Twitter. Relentlessly, with the, you yeah. know, relentlessly with the with the uh, with the optimism. But the the the, the play by play itself. Oh, there are, it can be so, so bad, man. So, so bad. So yeah, I knew this, I knew that, uh, that question was probably coming and I wanted to make sure that I got the, the, uh, the Bills broadcast on my <laughs> least valuable list. Well, I'll tell you, we're going to have a lot to talk about this offseason. It's going to be a very interesting offseason because the Bills are right up there near the top when it comes to cap room. And again, you can lock in another four and a half million in cap space because they are getting rid of Charles Clay. That is happening. LaShawn McCoy, we don't know. I think that would be more of a football move that they don't think he could play at a level anymore. But if they do get rid of him, that is another like $6.2 million or something like that. And when you look at the free agents that they have to re-sign or that they might want to re-sign, Lorenzo Alexander's right at the top. But, man, you're talking, what, one-year? One-year deal? That's all he's going to get is a one-year deal at this point. There's no one really. Jordan Phillips is probably the second most important unrestricted free agent on this roster right now who's a rotational defensive guy I think Mills and Miller are gone for sure Ryan Groy probably the same point being is that this team is going to be very very busy because they got a lot of money to spend they got a lot of holes to fill and they don't have to tie up a lot of money in re-signing their own this offseason add that the ninth pick of the draft because that's where the Bills will be picking this is going to be an incredibly busy and probably fun off season for Bills fans. Uh, they usually are, man. You know, they they usually are. It's it's it, it's it's where optimism reigns supreme in the off season. It's my favorite time of year. Should I before we start talking about the Sabres, should I go back there and tell this woman at the counter to stop banging shit around that we're trying to do a podcast here at Starbucks? Why don't you just like throw a mouse at her or something? <laughs> no, hold on. I'm gonna take a sip of my two dollar and fifty cent little tiny water. I'm almost done with my caramel apple spice. We're moving on to the Sabres. Yes, Tom, we are moving on to the Buffalo Sabres. Because like no like surprise players of the year or anything like. We'll that. do that in a future episode. Like I said, we got tons of weeks to get more in depth into bills. I want to head on a few other things before we get done. And, and All right, you, then I'm just going to say this one thing. Go ahead. Say All it, right. Man. You're going to say it anyway, so go ahead. 
I don't want to hear people talking about Robert Foster without putting Levi Wallace in the same conversation. Okay? If Levi, if, if Levi Wallace was a receiver, I, I think it's possible, all right, that Levi Wallace, what, what Levi Wallace did in his undrafted rookie season could be as impressive, but, you know, the, the stats aren't there because it's just not the same position, but could be just as important, all right, to the, to the future of this roster than as what Robert Foster did. And, and I'm telling you, I mean, let's, <laughs> I can't wait to talk about that sort of thing. Look at, look at those two undrafted hits. That okay? is a big hit. Look at those two He's undrafted well. hits. He has played well, and you saw, um, probably, this is a rhetorical is a, question, but obviously you see a future in this organization for Levi Wallace. Yeah. I mean, they, they, they just found competent corner and wide receiver when midway through the season we thought they were their most glaring needs. This team's going offensive line in the first round. I'm so ready to talk about the offseason right now. It's like I just want to dive right into that above everything else. Like I don't even want to hear people tell me about, you know, you know, tomorrow will be all about Kyle and all these things, and, and I, I just i am so ready to dive into how to spend this money and the amount of heartbreak we're going to get when teams end up going to Darnold and Luck-led teams before they come to us. We're going to end up being everybody's third choice, um, but whatever. <laughs> well, I promise you, dude, we've got a lot of time and a lot of minutes to burn on this podcast to get in the bill stuff. I do have to turn my attention a little bit, at least to the Sabres. They blew that game Saturday night, which, by the way, it feels good to be in Buffalo to watch games in Buffalo. It's different. Then watching them on TV in Florida. I mean, even not being at the game, just being at a bar, a Buffalo bar on Saturday night, watching the Boston game. When when Larson scored, the crowd erupts. That was fun. I haven't been able to experience that in quite a while, so that was pretty cool. But anyway, they blew a game that they should have won at home against Boston, down two of their star players. Essentially, it's a three-point swing because they go from getting two on Boston to giving them two and only getting one. That's a three-point swing. Don't look now, but the Sabres are just... 11, 12, and 6 outside of that 10-game winning streak. And again, I don't want to discount that 10-game winning streak because that's important. I mean, that's almost a quarter of the season right there. But they're under 500 if you take that winning streak away. This team's got some issues right now. Yeah, uh, you know, and um, (laughs) scoring is at the top of those issues. Um, There was a tweak in the lines today that brought... uh, um, Evan Rodriguez up into the top six, or what we assume is the top six, skating with Middlestat and Sherry. Uh, I've liked Rodriguez, as a lot of people have. They got to find some sort of secondary scoring. It was it was a predictable issue that they would have coming into the season, whether or not Middlestat would be ready, or whether or not uh, Berglund or Sabaka could find their old stroke. And none of those things have happened. All right, none. And, you know, everybody seems to think people that are that are pretty dialed into, you know, to the team uh, think that that Bottero is going to ride it. And I think that's that's negligent big time. And and I have to add one more thing that came out of today and, and it's going to fly under the radar because of the bills and, and Kyle Williams day and all that stuff. Jack Eichel got a maintenance day today. All right. It's the captain of your team. It's the captain of your team not being told to come to work. Okay, the day after that sort of loss. A bad loss. I think it's bullshit. All right. First of all, for starters, I think maintenance days are bullshit. I think maintenance days, all right, are code for the player called in. And I think players are 
sublim in 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 long seasons, you know, uh, sports with long seasons like hockey and basketball. I think they're given, you know, a certain number of 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 get out of jail free cards from their coaches. Eichel does that shit a lot. All right. He's fabulous. Don't get me wrong. He's the reason we are where we are. He's the reason we're ex- as excited as we are. Captain comes to fucking work after a loss like that. I don't disagree with you. I kind of have a problem with that as well. How far can this team go, though, with only one line that's producing? I mean, it's the first line, and then it doesn't seem to be much else. Connor Sherry, he's got like one goal in his last, I think, 19 games. Casey Middlestead, somewhat predictable, is really struggling offensively. I mean, you're asking a lot for that kid to be a second-line center at this point, but he's underperforming. Kyle Lockposo, he's been terrible. Pominville fell off after a hot start. What does Jason Botterill do to rectify this right now? Because you cannot rely on one line. Jeff Skinner's not going to score 75 goals this year. You know what I mean? Jack Eichel's not going to have 90 assists at the end of the season. They better get some secondary scoring sooner. You know, this fun couple months that we've had is just going to make it even all the more aggravating as it gets down the stretch and the Sabres end up falling out of a playoff spot, which, by the way, the Islanders are starting to breathe on their neck. Yeah, I, I mean, the, the answer is, to me, you get a, a, a bona fide second center or a, a bona fide top six winger that can, uh, that can create, all right? I, I guess it doesn't have to be a center necessarily, you know, but you need someone that can create offense and or finish uh, you know, beyond just that first line. And, you know, you got you, you to gotta shoot your shot on it a couple times. You got the assets to do it. He doesn't want to let go of the ones. Everybody understands that. You know, but, the, you know, the twos and the threes, he seems to be holding on to uh, a little too tightly as well. And, and he, he might miss a small window. Now, I know he's looking ahead to a much bigger window of opportunity, all right, with staying power as opposed to this year's, which is a very small window um, and, you know, likely to just be uh, a team that plays, you know, that, that, that made it by playing over their head and being gone in about five games, you know? <laughs> and he's like, why am I going to waste an, a- uh, an asset for that? Well, dude, we're fucking starving for it all right those five playoff games will be five great nights that we haven't had in five years all right so just make a move and get us in so we can have some fun cool the gang celebrate is going on the speakers here at starbucks right now kind of a nice little transition one of my favorite things about having you on the show as opposed to some of the other segments i do is we always kick it with a little bit of 80s music we do this week at 80s music i got for you the top 10 songs from 31 years ago. This is Christmas week, 1987. I'm going to run down that top 10. Just like always, throw me a thought or two about that tune, if you can remember. Yeah, that's all I'm going to be doing, because I ain't singing in the middle of a Starbucks. <laughs> I already feel stupid enough holding this microphone up to people in here. <laughs> well, you mean the, well, there are two people. There are two people in here. I won't even look at them. What if I know them? <laughs> You know, all what, right. What if I like have a job interview with one of them? <laughs> yeah, funny. right. I don't know, a job interview. Uh, number ten. Tell it to my heart, Taylor Dane. Yeah, I thought Taylor Dane's looks were extremely overrated. That's yeah. really chauvinistic. That's that is that is not Snowflake Pucks talking right there. <laughs> Strike that from the record, please. Right. As was the song. Song no. sucked. So did Taylor Dane. Number, number nine. In excess. Need you tonight. Not my. That's not on my alley, man. Not a fan. 
Sorry, I was still surprised that guy died. Well, not surprised, but you know, that was, that was kind of big at the time. <laughs> <laughs> Number eight, pretty poison. Catch me, I'm falling. My fucking jam. <laughs> that was that. That was my high school hockey theme song right there. And uh, yeah, I was a huge fan of that. Song. That'd be your freshman year, man. I believe eighty-seven. Was it eighty-seven? End of eighty-seven. Yeah. yeah, I think so. Great tune. <laughs> Who the hell sang it? Pretty poison. One That's, hit wonder. Well, that, that, that absolutely one <laughs> hit wonder right there. Number seven. Michael Jackson, who had about a million songs in the top 10. This one was The Way You Make Me Feel. Yeah, solid tune. Number six, Jody Watley, Don't You Want Me. You remember that? Want me like I want to. Oh, yeah, that was, that was all right. It was very Taylor. That's, that's very Taylor Daney. Yeah, she was better known for looking for a new love. That was, that's a Jody Watley signature song right there, not Don't You Want Me. Number five, Debbie Gibson, Shake Your Love. Is that the one you got, like, still have the big crush on? No, that's Tiffany. But I oh, like Debbie. Right. I like, they've been on tour together, by the way, in Singapore. Right. Going, like, all overseas and shit like that. Sure they are. Number four, George Harrison, Got My Mind Set on You. It's a pretty terrible song. <laughs> um, but he was, he was a Beatle. I mean, what are you going to do? It's got to gotta throw him in there. I did not like it. Number three. One of the most overrated songs in the entire 80s, as far as I'm concerned. White Snake, Is This Love. Hated that fucking song. Oh, that song. song's terrible. It I is. mean, that song is terrible. What was number two again? Number two is Whitney Houston, So Emotional. Wait a minute. What did you just give me? Oh, four I and g- three? I gave you four and three. Oh, four white- George Harrison, three, White Snake. Oh, I thought we were down to the bottom, to the, to the big No, nope, number two is Whitney, oh. So Emotional. Solid. That's one. That's your jam, right? Yeah, that, that is definitely my jam. It's your girl right there. Number one, Christmas week, 1987. It would spend four weeks at number one, George Michael, Faith. That was all right. Yeah. Was, to, was all right. I, there's, overall there's, thoughts on this top ten as a whole, not impressive. If, of all the ones we've done, this is probably the, the least interesting top ten I can remember. It's, it's, look, I mean, for me. What's your MVP of this top ten? Oh, catch me! I'm falling. Dude. I mean, seriously. Like, I liked like that song. Like, I just put it on my on my on my Spotify while we you were going through the other songs. <laughs> I mean, I, I genuinely liked that song. All right, as we start to wind down here. By the way, this is fun hooking up and doing this in person. I don't get a chance to do it often. Usually, I'm in Florida, and it's always phone and Skype. You blowing me off with some bullshit, but then I got to run you down here in the city, so you. You couldn't get away from me. Well, you, I mean, you came like within like I, two I, minutes of my house. I came right near your hood. I don't want to give you no right, excuses. I mean, your car I'm broke like, down. I'll come get you. I guess I'll show up. <laughs> All right. As we start to wind down, we do this. I don't want to see every week because we don't do pad with pucks every week. But when we get together, you always got the puck drop. What do you got this week? Oh, man. I jumped the gun. I jumped the gun on my puck drop when we started talking Sabres because I was so mad about Jack Eichel missing today's <laughs> practice. But I do have another one, all right? I'm not quite as passionate about as, as, as Eichel missing the practice, but oh, there's, there's, there are a lot of people posting the Logan Thomas wipeout block today on the, uh, uh, on the Chris Ivory near, yeah. near, near touchdown uh, on the pass from Allen early in the game. Folks, that is an illegal hit on an unsuspecting player who went out of the game with a concussion, and that is everything that is filthy about what the NFL is trying to hide. All right? 
Stop celebrating that shit. It, 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 I know how, you know, it, it was a wow hit. Um, it was a get you out of your, out of your seat hit. And I, and there are people out there that will probably argue, how can you call that an unsuspecting player? All right. If he's two yards away from a tackle, look, I'm not a very good football official, but I am required to know a little bit about, uh, you know, that rule in particular. I suspect Logan Thomas will get fined and that play is just not one that's good for the game. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. My pat peeve of the week, and this happens every single year because Clemson and Alabama are just so good. Armchair experts out there that are destroying Notre Dame, calling them undeserving of being in the 14 playoff because they got blown out by Clemson, and they did get blown out. The game was uncompetitive, and maybe everyone saw it coming. I mean, the line, I think, might have been 12 and a half. But you know what, Rick? You can't say that the Irish were not deserving to be in the game. It's a bullshit take. It's lazy. They beat Michigan. They beat Stanford, who was ranked seventh at the time. They beat Virginia Tech, who was ranked on the road. They beat Northwestern on the road, who ended up ranked. They beat Syracuse, who was ranked 12th when they played them at the time. Beat them on the road, too. They beat USC to get in. They were undefeated. They won enough big games to have every right to be in the playoffs. So just a bullshit Lazy take from Notre Dame haters to say that they didn't deserve it. They absolutely deserve to be in the playoffs. Do you agree? Was Notre Dame deserving of being in the playoffs? Or do you not care? You're not, you're not that much of a college football guy. I mean, you are to an extent, but you're not really, I don't think you're as passionate about college football as you are other things. No, not, not even close. And I am a Notre Dame hater, you know, mostly because of people like you. Um, (laughs) I don't, you know, whether or not they play in a conference isn't all that relevant. Uh, to me, they probably deserve to be there. If you don't lose, you know, you, you deserve to be there, but they, they were not one of the best four teams in the country. All right. Ohio State and Georgia probably would have done, you know, probably would have beat that Notre Dame team by two scores. Well, Georgia might have been a better football team, but dude, you lose twice. How do you lose twice and get in against an undefeated team? They lost twice. They don't. How do they deserve to be in over Notre Dame? I'm not saying they do. I'm just saying they're better. <laughs> they were, they were better. You know, I mean, they lost twice because they lost to what Alabama twice, ain't it? No, I know they lost it's, Alabama in the SEC I mean, championship. Fuck, uh, you know, I mean, far be it for me to to knock one of your pad peeves, but you know, it's it's born from a, a, a place of fandom. All right, people that are hating on. Notre Dame being there just watched a thirty to three absolute snoozer, and then they watched a, another snoozer after that. I mean, two absolute garbage semifinal football. Well, games. it was a garbage game. I got no, I can't deny that. But you know what? You don't want that to happen again next year. Tell Michigan or fucking Stanford, Northwestern or Syracuse or one of those teams. Tell them to beat Notre Dame. Then you don't have to worry about it. But you go what? undefeated. You're Notre Dame. You go undefeated. You beat enough ranked teams on the road. You're going to the playoffs, and you deserve to be in the playoffs. I, I hear you. I'm look. I'm I'm trying to get in this eight you've, o'clock game. You've checked out. <laughs> you definitely have mentally checked out at this point. Mentally checked out. So I haven't podcast. said that. I'm going to end it with my shout out, and I know this is corny, and I'm all right with that, man. Be that as it may, my shout out goes to Mother Nature for giving me a white Christmas in Buffalo, dude. I'm telling you, there's no seasonal changes in Florida, and after a while. It's not as fucking cool as you think it is. Being able to come home, I don't like being cold, but it was nice to wake up Christmas morning and see fucking some white on the grass. 
So that's my shout out, Mother Nature. I say I just sat here saying to myself, this motherfucker is going to send a shout out to Kyle Williams as if it's going to get back to him. And you actually trumped the corniness of the, what that shout out would have been by coming with an even cornier shout out. <laughs> you got anyone you want to give a shout out to? I do not. Dynamite drop in money. That broadcast school has really paid off. All right, that is a wrap for this episode, the final episode of 2018. Glad to be able to do it with my guy, Tone Pucks. Pat with Pucks has been one of my favorite things about this podcast since it started. It's been a good handful of weeks, probably a month or so since we've been able to get together. So that was fun. Being able to do it live in person in Buffalo made it even better. Thanks again, Tone Pucks. I'll have another show on Friday, as I do every Friday, first show of 2019. Not quite sure yet where I'll be taping it from or who I'll have on, but I got a couple sports media folk in mind, so be on the lookout for that. It should be a good time. Speaking of good time, you know what else is a good time? Especially for 2019. Put this on your New Year's resolution list. In fact, subscribe to the Moranalytics podcast. If you have an iPhone, all you got to do, open it up, find that purple icon that says Apple Podcast, hit it, type in search Moranalytics podcast, hit the subscribe button. That's it. That's all you got to do. New episodes automatically will get sent right to your phone. If you don't have an iPhone, you can also catch us on Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spotify, pretty much anywhere that future or award-winning podcasts are heard. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at PadMoranTweets. Have a nice, safe, happy new year. Enjoy it. Be around those that you love. Talk to you guys again on Friday. I'll catch you on the flippity flip. Bye. Hey guys, it's Mike. As you know, I adopted my pup Rocky from a local rescue. Now, when people ask me what kind of dog Rocky was, I was always stumped. I used an Embark Dog DNA test to decode my most puzzling questions about Rocky. You can also learn about your dog's inner secrets with Embark, the highest rated dog DNA test. Unlock over 350 breeds and screen for over 200 genetic health risks. Save $50 on a breed and health kit with promo code KIT at EmbarkVet.com. Again, that's promo code KIT.